Uh, I think we, we talk about it a lot, but, but we haven't quite... It's our intimate portraits. It's our, inti- it's our behind the music. Behind the music. Intimate portraits was um, something on a Lifetime, the channel mm-hmm. for women. In, mm-hmm. uh, Lifetime television for women. Yes. And, and gays. And yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, I got all my life... I got all my life lifetimed on oh, Lifetime. Man. And they would do um, these uh, um, kind of like 42-minute long bios on, on all types of fabulous women. And they had a great intro music. I think we talked about this. I think we talked about this last week with B. Arthur about intimate portraits. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and download that and listen to it because it's great. Um, but yeah, we are doing our own intimate portrait this week of Phoebe Snow. Phoebe Snow. Everyone scratching your heads. Whenever I bring up Phoebe Snow with people, everyone's like, it kind of Ooh. zooms over. It zooms right over. I feel like it's someone that people pretend like they know who that is. I but think they, they know really the don't. name. Mm-hmm. The name's kind of, and I think actually a lot of people know what she looks like, which is funny because the first thing that you should know is Phoebe Snow is not black, which right. I found out actually pretty recently. <laughs> and oh, and also, why should, is that? Why why did it take you so long to figure that out? It, well, well, everyone thought she was black. Yeah, a lot of people really thought she was um, black to the point where she got her, um, uh, you know, she did the D- DNA test. Because, like, so many people were convinced, mm. even though she was like, my parents were, like, whiter than my last name, Snow. Um, <laughs> uh, she's actually a Jewish woman, and so she kind of had, like, a tight kind of... Um, she had v- very curly hair. Curly hair. Perm, yeah. And she, she sang, you know, she sang kind of jazz and blues and R&B. And her voice is so soaring, and she has these ama- she has this incredible vocal ability that people were like, oh, she's had, she must be African-American. Right, so that was like one of the first things that I thought I, I, I thought about her. Also, I want to and I want to say this is something. This is a diva that we're really excited about because we didn't we really didn't know much about her. No, but when we started this podcast, I, when we first started thinking about diva, you should know episodes. She Phoebe was Snow was one of the first. Yep. Like I kind of discovered her last summer when we were first gestating this podcast. I discovered her before that, but I did my deep dive last summer when I was thinking about this idea of like episodes that would be Diva You Should Know, and Phoebe Snow has always been the ultimate of that. So since this is kind of our first real um, autobiographical Diva You Should Know episode, I'm really glad we're doing it about Phoebe Snow. And it's really cool, and, and it was really cool for us because we got, we really, um we really got to, kind of got to geek out mm-hmm. and um, do, do the research. And it's really kind of the thing that Nick and I love to do is like kind of find information and bring it to each other and, and share it. So it's kind of like the, <laughs> this podcast is that and we got to kind of be involved in that. And now yeah. we're bringing it to you. So we're going to dive into the intimate portrait of Phoebe Snow. And uh, before we start, I should say that this um episode uh, couldn't come to you without the journalistic efforts of Robert Palmer at Rolling Stone, Greg Hernandez uh, for the Daily News, who has an, um, a blog or used to called Out in Hollywood blog, uh, the New York Times obituary section, the Independent obituary section, David Levin's uh, show on YouTube, Pop Goes the Culture, and of course, our deepest and longest standing girlfriend, Wikipedia. Donate to them. Yeah, give Wikipedia a dollar, you guys. Give them five. Give them five dollars. You you look at Wikipedia every day. Come on, give them five dollars. We would literally time. be walking around in the streets getting hit by cars if we didn't have Wikipedia, I, I feel know. like. I spent so much time on it. It's great. Okay, so this is the life of Phoebe Snow. And so we begin. <laughs> Wind chimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was born in 1950. 
uh, July 17th, 1950 in New York City. Uh, her name was Phoebe Ann Laub, and then she was raised in Teaneck, New Jersey. And she was always, like all great New Jersey singers or performers, they always give a big shout out to their town in New Jersey, wherever they are. They're like, where are my people from Teaneck? She would always do that in every concert. Oh, oh, if, even if she was in Alaska? Uh-huh. She'd be like, anyone from Teaneck, New Jersey in the crowd? <laughs> people from New Jersey are hilarious. And she was raised by two artists. Her mom was a Martha Graham dancer, and her dad was a former vaudevillian a comedian and an actor and then he had a business as an exterminator so he like left his performing behind became an exterminator and um she got her name phoebe snow because as a kid she and her friends would play by these railroad tracks and these um the train would go by and on the train at the time i don't know why there were these big tankers that said phoebe snow on them and she always said uh, all of her friends would shout, your name is on your name is on the train. And they would stand there kind of awestruck that her name could be that big in front of them. But it was just her first name, Phoebe. But then later in life, she took the full name Phoebe Snow. I grew up with a girl um, whose name was Tiara. Because her mom once saw it in a commercial for perfume. And it was called Tiara. And there, she was like, mm, that's going to be my daughter's name. I saw I love, it on TV. I saw this on TV. I love when people just like see things in the real world and are like, hmm, that's a name I like. I love it when people are that like free. Because if I had to name a person or even like my cat, it took me like six months to name my cat. I'm so, I'm like so, I... I'm so indecisive and insecure about where well, you know I me. I'm from. always planning for names. What are your names. What are your daughter's names? My, well, I've, my daughter's names have never changed. <laughs> Those, but my cat's names do always change. My daughter's names. If I have two daughters, uh, you're going to hear me say this all the time. Battle Angels. It's Crystal and Misty. And if I only have one daughter, it's Baby Jessica. And yes, her first name is Baby. Um, Baby Jessica not- Black, Crystal Black, Misty Black. Yeah. And Misty's middle name is Wet Farts. Um, but I think... <laughs> I think Misty. all of their middle names should be Robert, like yours. So it'd yeah. be Misty Robert Black, Crystal That's Robert Black. really gorgeous. Um, but actually, bizarrely, I, I, came, I came up with this uh, just recently. If I have a cat, I'm going to bizarrely name her after this girl that I knew, barely, in... Um, uh, uh, elementary school and my my new cat name is Stephanie Laplace I remember Stephanie Laplace that's <laughs> isn't, weird isn't that really but isn't that like such a sweet cat name and you can be like Jason House Steph I don't know I just think like Stephanie Stephanie like because you get really exasper ex- exacerbated 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 with cats and Nick's like he said another wrong word and I'm gonna keep that in motherfucker um uh so Phoebe Snow. So Phoebe Snow High School was not her thing. Neither was college. Yeah. Uh, which is so many of us artist types. We just don't do well in formal settings. I did really well, but that's okay. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Humble brag about how good I was at high no, school. No, 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 no. Some, some people. I'm, I'm, I did good. I was, I, I was a really good student. I was good. I, you know, I wasn't. I was not a good student, but I did like learning. How yeah, about, you, yeah. I like learning. That's a good differentiation. That's, yeah. But yes, Phoebe was had a really tough time. Yeah, she was kind of she um, you know, she's kind of picked on by girls. Um, Phoebe has a really unique look mm-hmm. to her. You know, yeah. uh, like like we said kind of from from the jump like everyone uh, even like um, people that she was 
working with assumed she was black, and she just kind of she was um, a little bit thicker. Mm-hmm. She uh, had some pretty pronounced moles on her face, which I think are very beautiful. Yeah, um, and she never really. What I find so iconic about our Phoebe is that like she never really tried to glamorize Mm-mm. or like you know be gorgeous Joni Mitchell. Like she always wore these big glasses mm-hmm. and like kept her hair in this kind of. I wouldn't say it's unflattering, but it wasn't like she wasn't really stylizing herself. No. She was about the music. And she was like a very, it was just like very hippie, like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to look how I look. This is me. Um, but this is kind of fabulous. Uh, well, not fabulous because she was a binge drinker, um, but she was. She was kind of getting into the, into the drinking scene, um, but she came uh, a stone cold drunk to her junior prom, <laughs> <laughs> which is... And that's going to give you a lot to write about later on. Uh, her her date dumped her onto her parents' stoop, passed out. Phoebe. Junior prom is tough for everybody, but especially in Teaneck, New Jersey in the 1960s, I imagine. Yeah, not a good look. No. Not a good look. Baby. Um, but then, But then she kind of tried to give college the, you know, the good try. She was only there for two years. And then she was like, okay, fuck this. Like, mama's, mama's got some magic. And so... She uh, moved to the city. Moved to New, New York, York city. city. The city of dreams. Yeah, and started doing the clubs. And Nick and I have been talking about this time period, y'all. Yeah. Iconic. In the 1960s, in the late 60s, early 70s, yeah. where there's just these clubs all around Greenwich Village, like the Bitter End, like the Village Vanguard, all these little places where young musicians would gig out and they would just, there would be open mics and you would flip from place to place. And there were people like Bette Midler doing this at the time. I mean, Bette had her longstanding gig at the Baths, but she would also perform at the Bitter End. Bruce Springsteen was doing this shit and it was all in hopes of being discovered. And that was a time where like producers would come to these, you know, be invited to these um, kind of talent nights. Yeah. So you, so you would, uh, you know, that was that was a thing back then. Like you, mm-hmm. you were your hope was that you would be picked up, mm-hmm. and, and then be given have a, a career. Deal yeah, or someone would let you record a demo or something like that. And she was writing all these songs, and she became really good friends with a guy named Charlie Parker, not the jazz great Charlie Parker, but a musician nonetheless. And they had this long and complicated kind of platonic relationship. It was, I think, it was romantic for Phoebe. It seemed a little unrequited, from what I can understand. But she would say that he would become Harpo Marx for extended periods of time. He would, like, not speak, and he was very funny, and he would do these fun little bits, you know, like fun little physical comedy bits. And then he was just this kind of amazing character, you know? And he was the one who first encouraged her to go to these open mic nights at the bitter end, and he would always tell her she was good enough and that she had to do this. She was He was really her best friend and inspiration, and um, he unfortunately died of a drug overdose in 1970. And then she wrote this song for him called Harpo's Blues, which was all about their love of each other and his kind of unique spirit. I wish I was a willow And I could sway to the music in the wind I wish I was a lover I wouldn't be Costumes and pretend. I wish I was a mountain. I'd pass boldly through the clouds and never end. And I wish I was a soft refrain when the lights were out. 
So they obviously, I mean, there's this something about, and I, I don't want the night to end. It's definitely about a night they spent together. So there is, there must have been something sexual between them. <laughs> I was saying, telling Nick yesterday, I was like, yeah, and what mysterious, what mysterious lines are in that song? Um, and I don't want the night to end, <laughs> where it's like where where she says where she says she does where she says what she's standing on platforms underground. And I was like, and what does that even mean? And I was like, Jason, it just means she's <laughs> waiting for the subway. Fucking subway! And I just I just I just walked out of the room. <laughs> I, I'm not good at school, but I do like learning. Um, <laughs> and that you know, I love that lyric on platforms underground because you I know that subway station she's at. It's a West Fourth Street stop. And it's very evocative thinking of Phoebe Snow with her guitar waiting for the subway at 3 o'clock in the morning after, you know, performing all night long. Waiting half my life on platforms underground The other half I wasted as a desperate clown My problem now is that you're not around Hey, 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 yeah Dark, delicious dreams of you all drown And I, I don't want I don't want the night to And she was, you know, she was going for it. She was going for it. She talks about uh, having a night with Bruce, where Bruce, where like a, a really one of the biggest talent agents was seeing Bruce Springsteen, and the manager of the club said she was going to be able to be on on that night. And he ended up like, you know, she alludes giving it to another girl that he possibly was seeing, and she got kicked off. And she was just devastated. I mean, she really worked really hard, but but she got hers. Yeah, and Bruce Springsteen was really encouraging to her. Yeah, and he was. Everyone like, was. Everyone really. Yeah. Everyone has great things to say about Phoebe Snow. Yeah. Um, can um, I read like this? Bette was very encouraging to her. Bob Dylan was very encouraging to her. All of those people. Also, her. also like, strange, weird tea in our research. Phoebe Snow also says that she has um, a, uh, a sixth, sixth sense for famous people. Uh-huh. And she said when she met Bette Midler um, that she knew right away that that girl was going to be one of our greats. But, uh, but I'm also like, well, yeah. There's so much history that we're not going to get in here um, mm-hmm. in our intimate portrait of Phoebe Snow. But it's, yeah, I, I think when we're doing this because 
maybe this will inspire you to kind of fi- find her and delve mm-hmm. into it, or maybe this will inspire you to kind of search for other people. Um, uh, let me. Can I read you this really amazing Rolling Stone quote? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was a natural Wait. wonder of a voice soaring as high as many Rippertons and descending to a butch quasi bass, capable of apparently infinite textual variation. From the gauziest of whispers to the bulkiest of bellows, an obvious once-in-a-generation voice from the first note, and an astonishingly artless-sounding voice as well. Wow. She was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Right. So she, she kind of, so like... That she, was a, the, the other thing about her voice that that quote brings up, in terms of like, I've also read a lot of things about, while many people thought she was black... The amazing thing about her was that her voice was so real and authentic to her. It was like an extension of her speaking voice, and she wasn't imitating um, a style or a sound. She was very unique and kind of singular in her sound and style. Listening to her albums, it's that kind of... um, There's a really fun um, period, time period... Where music was in a kind of full transition, rock. Mm. This, this the new sound of rock was just being created, but everyone kind of knew the the classics and mm-hmm. and jazz and and so the, a lot of these artists were kind of incorporating it it all. And Phoebe was just really excellent yeah. about kind of being able to tra- traverse all of it. I, I I feel like her albums kind of move around a lot mm-hmm. um, in, in kind of genre shift and it's um, and it's all so beautiful and it all really works they're, they're, they're really seamless eh? and there was a huge singer-songwriter movement at the yep. time and she of these singer-songwriters which she was one of them she had her voice was just so much so it was far and above so many of them and so this guy named Denny Cordell at Sh- uh, Shelter Records saw her at the bitter end and asked her to record for them in 1972 and so she made her first album, which is called Phoebe Snow, and the number one single was Poetry Man. Poetry man, you make things all right. 
And that's like you said, that's her. That would be her biggest. That's her biggest hit. Right. Yeah. It reached number five on the charts. Poetry Man, and it, she was nominated for a Grammy for Best New Artist in 1974. And then she started opening for um, the great Jackson Brown. And I love this in this so in this Rolling Stone article that Jason mentioned before in 1974. It's so much of it is about how she realized she was hypoglycemic. <laughs> she all she could talk about is how sugar is the devil and how she can't be near it because it makes her really depressed to eat sugar. And so she was just like on the road trying to figure out like how to eat well and not go nuts. Anyway, I found that to be really fun because I imagine that's really fucking hard when you're touring with like a rock band. Um, but then she started dating a guy named Phil Kearns, who would she would kind of marry for a brief time when she was on that tour. Um, and in the 1975, that was a tumultuous year for Phoebe. Uh, she actually was in uh, this in in a, in a battle with um, her record company called Shelter over payments for her recording sessions uh, for the first album. Mm-hmm. What was that first album called? Phoebe Snow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking always will never not love when people, when they're like, make it my name. My name will be the first. Beth didn't do that. Beth did it on her second album. Second album. Uh, so she was trying to get uh, payments for, for the recording sessions, as well as royalty payments for, um, on the record that was certified gold. And then she has her daughter. Victoria Rose mm-hmm. is her daughter. Um, and she's married to Phil Kearns at this time. But when Victoria Rose was born, her airway was restricted for a little bit during birth. So she was born really brain damaged. Like, like yeah, like really cannot, um, like needs kind of 24-hour assistance. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, her husband was gay and he kind of walked out on the family. Yeah. So she, not only did, did she have a newborn daughter, which is just so hard in general, mm-hmm. um, but the daughter is, is you know blind and couldn't speak and she's a single mom now and now she's a single mom so imagine and she, imagine and she that. refused to institutionalize her right which a lot of people did at that time in the 70s if you had a very disabled kid they would institutionalize that kid or like put her in, a, in some place with 24-hour care and because back in the day we had we had um, mental institutions we had yeah. actual institutions mm-hmm. that um uh, people would would send their family members to, and she just refused to do that. She was like, "No fucking no. way, this is my." Well, daughter. they were not some. They were not the best of places. No, so. not all of them. Some of them, some were, of them good. were. I mean, yeah. And then the government shut them all down. But anyways, Phoebe stayed with yeah. her daughter. Yeah, and so she, uh, and then she finally got away from Shelter Records after all that uh, shit you were talking about, and she signed with Columbia, and then she made another record called Second Childhood, and it's a little jazzier and. Um, it's a soft album. It's kind of like, it's a mellow and sad. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Second childhood, yeah. My baby's out there In his spacecraft Searching for some energy Oh 
And then after that, she did an album called It Looks Like Snow, which is much more of a bang. Um, and then she had two more with Columbia, one called uh, Never Letting Go, and another one called Against the Grain. And it's all, like, it's advancing as a 70s advance, and she's, like you were saying, with how music is evolving, it is getting more rocky and getting more banger, but she's still, it's almost like, she reminds me of Laura Nero sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good similar vibe. Yeah, there's, it's, like, it's singular in itself, but if you appreciate soul, if you appreciate R&B, if you appreciate folk or rock, she's kind of, Phoebe Snow will be there for all of those was, fan bases. But um, at the end of the 70s, she ended up leaving Columbia because um, they kept, they were trying, they were really pushing her hard to tour and tour and tour. And which, she couldn't. No, because of Victoria Rose. She couldn't tour all the time. And she had to be a full-time mom. And she just wasn't going to let being a star be in the way with that. Um, this, this is a cool thing. This is my other connection uh, to Phoebe Snow. Mm. In my obsessive Bette Midler research. Okay, yes. kids. Are you ready for this hot tea? That actually, that album, interestingly enough, that Bette Midler covered the Phoebe Snow song, Songs from New Depression, she had actually cut a track with Paul Simon. Mm. And I think they were going to each put their um, their track on each other's upcoming album. So it was, I think it was originally supposed to be on uh, Bette's uh, record. Right. Because and, Bette duetted with lots of iconic men on that album, like Bob Dylan and Tom Waits. Yeah, so I think she and she was in, like you know I think was having kind of a hush hush torrid affair with Paul Simon. So mm-hmm. she cuts this track, which is called "Gone at Last." I think a lot of you people, you know, probably know. Will that know song. that it's a, it's 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 a kind of a really uh, a fun gospel bop, and um, cut it, recorded it, mixed it, and then. Paul scrapped it. I, we were assuming that maybe they ended kind of bad, um, but he contacted Phoebe Snow to cut it again. And Phoebe Snow was like, "Why do you want me to?" You know, Phoebe. She was kind of taken aback yeah. because she she was like, "I, you know, I love Bette Midler. Like, I, 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 I think I think she said she heard the version. She thought it was really good, but like, you know, she couldn't say no to that. And that kind of was that's kind of like probably would be her other second um, most famous recording. Most famous recording. There's actually such a good. Um, video of her of them singing in the nineties and Joshy Wales. It's a, it was on a late night show, like it's on like Letterman or something. Yeah, her and Paul Simon came back together to do Gone at Last together, and she's fucking incredible in it. Paul Simon finally, a couple of years ago, released his the Bette Midler version of that song. So yeah, yeah so you can get that on like one of his um, reissues. And then also in the late seventies, she was she was the musical guest on the second ever episode of SNL. Which was really cool because the late 70s were tough for her because Phil Kearns left her in like 78 
And so she, and she stopped touring and she was, you know, in this place in her life. And then she got to be on SNL uh, and there was this huge show just starting. And she does this duet with other diva you all know, Linda Ronstadt. Diva's diva. Linda Ronstadt is a diva's diva. Also, good bring it back to Bet. What did she sing with Bet on? Actually, it was one of Linda Ronstadt's last tracks that she, Mm -hmm. this is Linda Ronstadt, unfortunately. Um, has Parkinson's disease. Yes. Um, but yeah, she sings Sisters with Bet on her... On the, the Rosemary Clooney album. album. And she sung with Dolly Parton and Linda Ronstadt on Trio. And I don't know. Linda Ronstadt is so fucking rad. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a real help for... I think it was a real lovely gesture mm-hmm. to have Phoebe Snow sing with her. Yeah, it's really fun. This little cha-cha dance, Mm -hmm. and they're so cute, and they're obviously having a fucking ball. And that's when she's in her iconic big, big, like kind of tinted glasses, huge transitions glasses. Very late seventies. She looks amazing. It's fun. So then her next album is called Rockaway. She moved to a new record label, and this is my favorite album of hers. It's a total banger. This is um, her kind of real rock album. She does it with Billy Joel's band. Nothing but the sound of crickets on a summer's night. No one else around. I tell you that will be all right. 
after this album came out, kind of were summing up Phoebe Snow's career, and they said, she is one of the most gifted voices of her generation. Phoebe Snow can do just about anything stylistically as well as technically. The question that's still unanswered is how best to channel such a talent. And it's true, like the music industry fully did not know what to do with her. Like she knew what to do with herself, but these all these albums were saying they were not... She was not charting in the same way that she was with the first record. Right. She wasn't, you know, it's so funny what we call successful, right? Because there's so I often think we call like, something successful a lot of times has to do with money. Mm-hmm. Did they make a lot of money? Right. Which, and when, if someone and, isn't Barbara Streisand or Mariah Carey level sales, they say, oh, this is not a successful album. If you listen to Rockaway, that's a very successful <laughs> album for me in the sense that I love every fucking track and never skip one and also have it on vinyl. Okay, now we're in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And this is this is what we wrote. It was rough. Um, Things she, get dark in the 80s. Yeah, she said she was. She got sick. She mm-hmm. said she was sick. We're not really quite, kind of sure of what. Also, mind you, this whole time, she's still taking care of Victoria. Mm-hmm. You know, that's still her... By herself. By herself, that's still pretty much... That's kind of... She's able to put out these albums, but her main priority and kind of, you know, the the majority of her time was spent taking care of her daughter. But my, but my darlings, my darling children, she did some jingles. I love a jingle. I would love, you know, they always, like, in, I don't know, it was like the Cradle of Rock or stuff where like they show jingle writers. I just love when they mm-hmm. like, back in the 50s, that was someone's job was to sit at the piano and, and just like, write a jingle. Write a fucking jingle. It was jingle. A, day, a day job for songwriters and Phoebe Snow was like, fuck, they're not asking me to make another record. I'm going to write a jingle because I need some money to take care of my special needs child. And so she did jingles for AT&T and she did the theme song for A Different World. What? And. And what? What is she the voice of? The touch, the feel of cotton, the fabric of our lives. That's Phoebe Snow Kids. The touch, the feel of cotton, the fabric of our lives. She fucking wrote that like iconic thing, and that I'm sure she made really good money I from hope, that. I hope. I so. hope so. We gosh, we hope so. Gosh, that was. Oh, commercial but also thinking of like that commercial would come on during a different world a different world if you don't know was a spinoff of the cosby show starring jasmine guy and it was one of my favorite shows ever until yeah you were really into that show i was um and then in 89 she did an album called something real but with all that and with all the things that we were hoping because she wasn't really able to put out records and really to tour she Mm -hmm. kind of says like touring was probably where like uh, my money was going to be able to come from and yeah. be, and but I I couldn't do that and I also couldn't really you know be crunking out these albums because you know obviously uh, duh this isn't anything new when artists make an album they tour on it yeah that's promoting it that's also making a lot of money going out to LA being on you know the Tonight Show or doing all that stuff which is just stuff she couldn't really do. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Do you like this quote? Yes. And, okay. and, and so this, okay, this is a quote. Let's keep that yes. <laughs> So this is a quote from, her, from, from Phoebe around that time and kind of talking about that struggle that she was in. Because my first record was such a hit, I was terribly spoiled and I thought I couldn't do anything wrong. I was also desperate to make tons of money because of my responsibility to my daughter. And there was no longer any joy in making music. Mm-hmm. It's a huge thing. I mean, it's hard, it's hard for me as an actor to like, I've struggled to make money over the years. And and when you get to that point where you're like, all I need to do is make money, the love of it is really hard to hold on to. Right. When you're so mercenary. When you're scared. Mm -hmm. When I moved to LA, I didn't have a job. 
Um, and I just saw my funds dwindling. And I remember, I remember spending so many days being like, well, if I just stay in this bed, I at least can't lose money. And I would just Oof. be there terrified. It's, it, is te- it is terrifying. That was for, your technique when you moved to New York, too. Yes, it was. <laughs> that's my, my life. That's hey my guys, life goal. If you goal, need to save money, live, just stay in bed. Stay in bed. And it's comfortable. If it's comfortable. Um, but it's te- it really is terrifying. And anyone that's been there knows it when mm-hmm. they don't know. I always say there's, there's the difference between the people who have to worry about rent and the people who don't. Yep. There's just and I no no judgment there, but there's just a real thing. If you literally aren't sure where that next rent payment is, that's a type of person. That's a, and that's a large type of people. But yeah, yeah, that's a thing. And so and so then she kept struggling. For Phoebe. Yeah, she kept struggling into the '90s, and she would give concert performances, and she would um, perform for her. Oh yeah, for her biggest straight fan, Howard Stern. Howard Stern is like oh, a this huge is Phoebe fucking so weird. When we were getting into our research, mm-hmm. um, I was just pulling up. Endless things of Phoebe Snow being on his show. Mm-hmm. She was on Howard Stern's show a lot, and he was just a huge fan. But she wasn't. She re- sang at his wedding. Mm-hmm. She sang at his wedding, and he said like he would. They would be like they would want to do something fun, and they would and they would write something, and Phoebe Snow would, would just come on, and even even if it was so gross, she would sing it, and <laughs> they all they he re- he really championed her. Yeah. She was a sport too. Makes me like him a little bit more because of yeah, that. Yeah, I, I kind of like Howard Stern sometimes. You know, he was on the View the other day, and it was I saw that. Boring. Yeah, yeah. And so then she started. She joined a girls' band called Zap Mama, and they did a new version of Poetry Man. Make that money. Well, I think I do for you, Zap Mama. You make me laugh. Cause your eyes light the night and look right through me. Bashful boy, you're hiding something sweet. Please give it to me, to me. Go and talk to me some more. You don't have to go. You're the poetry man. You make things alright. Then she did something. Truly iconic. This is Nikki Loves Us. Which we mentioned in Songs of Pride episode. Uh, go back and download that, and then you can rate and review and um, tweet about it for us uh, at For the Girls Pod. So she started at slash joined uh, a gospel group called the Sisters of Glory with uh, legend and friend of the podcast Thelma Houston. And they formed after they performed together at an AIDS benefit, and they ended up recording an album together called "Good News and Hard Times," which you can't find fucking anywhere. And if anyone has a copy of it, please burn. You it can't for find me. the album in a, in a whole, but if you search, if you like, put in the right search keywords on YouTube, you can get a good amount of the songs yeah. that this group sang. Uh, each one of the girls would take a lead, mm-hmm. kind of. And then they'd that. sing backup for yeah. each other. CeCe Pettison was also in the group. They performed at Woodstock in 94. They performed at the Vatican. And it's just amazing to me. It was all kind of centered around On the Sunday, AIDS. they performed on Woodstock. That, that was their Sunday service. Yeah. Were these um, women. And there, there's um, video of that, too. And it's, it's super iconic.
it's and it's all around the AIDS crisis, you know. And Thel- we talked about in Songs of Pride how Thelma was such a fierce advocate during the AIDS crisis, and I love knowing that Phoebe joined her in that and made this amazing group. And so the '90s continued to be kind of rough, and here and there, um, she took 14 years to make her next album, which is called Natural Wonder, which is her last studio album, and. She, she sounds incredible, and it's the same great songwriting, and her voice is a little lower and coarser. There's a song called Above the Band, which is really beautiful and you should check out, and it's kind of about what it's like to be an artist and live past your 15 minutes of fame, and it's very personal, um, I would imagine, for Phoebe, and um, such an amazing um, summation of what it means to be an artist after fame is gone. Stay clear, stay focused, create a little Stay sober, steady, and a little bit sane. Stay alive, survive past your 15 minutes. And someone will remember your name. Be a force for some good, be a flame eternal. Be brave, take risks, have a thick skin. Even when all they see is external, let your soul shine from within. It's a really witchy album. It's fun to, like, you know, go camping with some girlfriends and bring a cassette tape of Natural Wonder by Phoebe Snow. You'll have a good time. Oh, no, I have the hard part. No, I have no. the hard part. Um, so 2007, uh, we brought the loss of Victoria Rose. Mm-hmm. That was 30. She was 30. Yeah. So Phoebe Snow, for 30 years, tended mm-hmm. to her daughter. And, you know, the way that she has said that she doesn't regret anything. She mm-hmm. absolutely loved and adored her daughter. You know, she spent almost every single day of her daughter with her of her daughter's life. You know, mm-hmm. so imagine how close you can get, and and how special that bond is. And it just, it just wrecked Phoebe Snow. Um, she was absolutely devastated and kind of was a complete mess. And then Nick and I just fully gag on this next mm-hmm. hot tea. My 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 kitty dues. So she talks about kind of you know as we are when, when we have like such a great loss like that. She was in a super bad way, and everything was like really really kind of gray and devastating. Um, but she was flipping through the channels one day, and she came upon a little show called what? Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark, honey. It, it was a drama on Logo TV in the 2000s about a group of friends who are gay, black queens who... It's like a little soap opera show. Yeah, it, it, it kind of had like... um. It um, kind of had like a queer as folk kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it, but even more Otzi, if that makes sense. Yes. I think it was like a half an hour show. It was on Logo, so like it wasn't like really graphic, but there was like a lot of sex scenes. It was silly. I've, I watched it some was of great. it. Yeah, I watched um, it. But this is what got Phoebe Snow out of her darkness, was watching Noah's fucking arc. Mm-hmm. She became a super, super fucking stan of the show, and she would just watch it over and over and over again. So she um, she contacted the... the um, 
the creator the because creator. the show got canceled yep. without finishing the story. Like they it was one of those things where they like it was like season three or season four and they just right. all of a sudden it just stopped. They didn't wrap it up. And Phoebe is like, What the fuck, you guys? And she just wanted to like let the the the, the creator know how important the show was to her, mm-hmm. you know, and and so and this is what Nick really wants to talk about, is that they met at an iconic now closed gay bar called Splash. And in quotations, Nick wrote, Nick has so many stories about Splash. It is where I learned to be gay. <laughs> it was this big club in the odds. Three I floors, used, which you don't really see anymore. Mm-hmm. And I used to bartend at a different, and a cocktail waitress at a different club that was owned by the same people. So sometimes I would be sent over to do a little subbing. Mm-hmm. And my ex-boyfriend used to bartend and go-go dance there. And I just really, like, going to Splash of a night was what I did in my late teens and early 20s. So she uh, so she met with him and she just she, yeah, she just wanted to give the, give give her gratitude to the show. And, and he knew of her and he really loved her work. And so what happens is a couple of years later, or I don't know how many years later, they decide to make a Noah's Ark movie. Mm-hmm, to finish up the story. Uh-huh. And they invite her. To be on the show, and they use some of her songs on it, and she says when she makes me makes me want to cry. Um, when she met the cast of fucking Noah's Ark, um, she just she just broke down weeping mm-hmm. because of how much they meant to her, and 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 how much she was able to kind of. Um, properly grieve for her daughter through this show, and that this show really got her through. And I, I, I. Honeys, I just find that lovely. She says she. Uh, she said I was like a weeping bag of crap. Right, <laughs> right. She right. said they put all these like false eyelashes on her for the shoot, and they had to take them off because she was just crying too much. She couldn't keep false eyelashes on. Yeah, she played a jazz. She played a jazz singer mm-hmm. in the movie. And then shortly after uh, Noah's Ark, I think Noah's Ark was in two thousand eight. In two thousand ten. Uh, we lost Phoebe Snow. She had a stroke and she died from complications and she got to die in her home in New Jersey. And um, yeah, we lost her way too soon. It was really, um, it was really sudden. And she was just really the every woman of rock and roll. You know, she was the every woman. She was a single mom to a special needs kid who was also trying to be um, a high, the highest level performing professional artist and it was a high wire act her whole life. I th- people really love and appreciate her, but yeah, she was cut. She's really is, and so I, I don't know if the word unsung is right, mm. um, because I do think in the industry, and like we said, she had some you know random champions like Howard Stern, and but yeah, you know her albums are so absolutely terrific mm-hmm. and chock chock full of just um, talent, yeah, and ideas, beautiful lyrics. Po- she was a poet, and she. And when when Victoria died, she did she did tour. Yeah, where she would go to clubs, and she actually did the anniversary at the Bitter End, mm-hmm. um, and where she sings right. "Over the Rainbow." And I'm not a huge fan of other people singing "Over the Rainbow," but when I heard her sing it, I fully broke down, mm-hmm. just bawling. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are. Chimney tops, that's where you find me. 
someone who was looking yeah. to get out was looking to get out of her you had so many challenges and she was really looking to that dreamland you know to. you know it's interesting and i think what's so interesting is because because we have been doing our intimate portrait work on phoebe snow and i think it's really such a treat to invest some time into things that you really like because mm-hmm. it deepens the understanding of that artist's work. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is not a hot take, but like definitely for us, I think like we've talked about how we really admired Phoebe Snow, but kind of from a distance, kind of how you do most things. Like, mm-hmm. But the more we got in, like the more like things really started hitting and connecting with us and... And it's really beautiful and I feel like I'll not, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna engage with her on this much deeper way. And I'm really grateful for that. And in this kind of time when we, when everything is so short, you know, every, in tweets and posts and uh, clips and videos, and it is, you know, it, we get to do it because we have a long form podcast on it. And so we have to do it, but we, we really get to do it. It's this opportunity to, to learn and deepen our knowledge. And it, it means a lot to us. So we love, I just wanted to say, I love making this and it's, it makes me so happy to, um, and in a way it slows us, it slows us down in Mm -hmm. a way to, 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 and, and forces us to really engage with the things that we're talking about. And, Mm and yeah, so it's, so it's super, super beautiful. And like I said, we just had so much fun and it's so much fun with these diva. You should know they mean so much to me because it's like, I do feel like we let, we as a country or we as an entertainment industry, let Phoebe Snow down. Yeah. There are people we let down and we shouldn't let them go unsung or unrecognized or unremembered in a kind of culture that values the newest shiny thing, the youngest thing, the sexiest thing, mm-hmm. the most relevant thing. We should spend some time thinking about the ones who came before and really spending some time with them and loving on them and celebrating those girls. Well, okay, Battle Angels, write us, write us in. Tell us if, uh, if, if, if you got inspired and, and started going down your Phoebe Snow mm. journey, or maybe you have your own Phoebe Snows yeah, that you want us to talk about. Who are the divas we should know that we don't know? Because we want to do this more. Yeah. So so write in and, and tell us that. And um, Always feel free to share the podcast. Feel free to download, rate, and review the podcast. Give us money for the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, um, give us a Casper mattress. Give us Casper mattresses. Give us sponsorships. Give us free furniture. Yep. And give us uh, drink tickets. Yep. At Splash. But most importantly, um, give us, give yourself a little time to um, lift up Phoebe Snow and enjoy your music. Yeah. That's lovely. Have fun. Dive deep. Bye. Bye. We love you. Bye.
listen to me. 